Modern Art Podcast, a podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Ragland, and now that October is over, we can relax with the horror and demons and silly stuff like that, and focus on an artist whose art is based upon horror and demons and silly stuff like that, among other things. Today we have Arreg Savchenko, an animator who's worked on Hasbun Hotel, Hell of a Boss, Mayhem, Aldean Scoops, and so much more, along with some incredible work in his sleek, stunning style. I was glad to get a chance to talk to Arreg, and despite butchering his name in the intro, it's a great, insightful conversation that I hope you'll enjoy as much as I did. Make sure you support him with the links in the description below. If you want to take that support further, at least with this podcast, you can like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. You can help support the podcast a little bit further by purchasing some of the amazing merchandise in the merch store at pmap.creator-spring.com with a wide, wonderful selection that anyone can honestly wear. And finally, if you want a place to talk more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network, you should be a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server. We can talk about this podcast, Stranger the Christian, Hot Goss, Apocalypse Now, all the different podcasts build up a nice little community, share some memes, have some fun. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. In fact, let's hear about another outstanding podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Let's teach people something super quick. Every year, uh, more people die from getting hit on the head with coconuts than they do from shark attacks. <laughs> <laughs> like dead dead? It's not that many because like only like one or two people I think die from shark attacks every year. The low teens for the coconuts. Coconuts are hard. Teach, teach me something, something good. good. Now on your local favorite podcast thing. <laughs> yeah, all podcast things. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Before we get started, I need to ask this. It might be embarrassing for me to ask this, but how exactly do you pronounce your name? Because I, I do like a little intro thing. I don't want to butcher it a million different ways. It's it, Trust me, I, uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked that because like people people have mispronounced my name like as long as I've been alive. So it's a, it's pronounced uh, Aureg. So. Aureg. Yeah, Savchenko. Savchenko. Yeah. Aureg Savchenko. Got it. Yep. Okay. Perfect. perfect. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous, stunning. Love it. It's one of those, like, I saw it, and I was like, it's best that I ask instead of just, like, you know, going in in the deep end and <laughs> just... Yeah, no bullshit. worries. I get it. It's a weird name. It's... it's uh, uh, you don't hear it very often, so... I was gonna I say what I was gonna say what descent is it from? Like it sounds like something that would be in like you know Poland or Russian or something along that lineage. I mean, you're you're not too far off. It's what? Armenian. Armenian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's in, that's interesting. I assume that's where your family's from or whatnot, or your at least parents or grandparents. Yeah, that's where my parents are from. Nice. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I wasn't born there. I was born in uh, Michigan and then moved to Canada. But oh. yeah. Quite the travels, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, A-Rag, before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question I ask for, ev well, not every single podcast. This is one that I've actually been starting as of late. So, let's say you get the opportunity to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It's just going to be you there, but you do get the opportunity to bring one piece of media or one piece of art to help make sure you don't go completely insane on the island. 
if given the opportunity, what would you bring with you? Uh, I mean, okay, it would it would be a video game for sure, but okay. I'm not sure which I'm not sure which one. It would need to be one that I'm like that I can like literally like replay like infinite amount of times and not get bored. Right. Uh, oh, that's tough. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Smash Brothers. Maybe uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe like. I've never played any of the Elder Scrolls games, but I know they take, like, a really, really long time to beat, maybe something like that. I mean, true, but it's one of those, like, I've, like, tried to get into them. For certain people, it's like you have to, like, mentally get yourself into it. If you're not in it from the jump, it's hard to really get into it. But at the same time, you know, hey, a new experience is a new experience, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or actually, actually, no, no, no. I I know what it would be. It would be Spelunky 2, because I can't stop playing that game. (laughs) That's... Like, uh, I-, I bought the game, like, a few months ago. I have 416 hours put into that. I can't Goodness. stop playing it. So, so, yeah, it would be that. Well, I mean, because, like, it- it's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, like, it's a dungeon crawler, but it's, like, it's a generated room, like, every single time. So you're not really playing, like, the same level twice. Am I right? Or Yeah, it's, uh, exactly. It's it's a roguelike. So roguelike, it's, uh, there you go. The, yeah, the game is, like, randomly generated, so, like, no two playthroughs are the same. And that's why it's kind of very, like unhealthily addicting for me <laughs> i mean whatever gets the job done right <laughs> yeah. uh but spelunky 2 that's your answer that's what you're locking in yeah spelunky 2 then if that's the case i can't think of a better way to start the postmodern art podcast welcome everyone i am your host nathan ragland uh feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer I'm a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com to see more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is an illustrator, storyboarder, and animator who's worked on such outstanding projects, just like Hasbun Hotel, Hell of a Boss, Mayhem, and Farfetch, with some stunning shorts of their own. Like the local freak and LMJ. Welcome to the podcast, Areg Sevchenko. Right, uh, thank you so much. Um, I am so sorry. It's Areg Sevchenko. Areg, oh, I I even asked you and I butchered it. Areg, uh, okay, it's okay, it's okay. No worries. I, um, but yeah, no, thank you so so much for having me on. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, and thank you for not leaving just like because I butchered your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no worries, no worries, it happens. Uh, nevertheless, I do appreciate you taking time to sit down and chat. Um, I have absolutely loved kind of your production that you've been able to have and some of the stuff that you've been able to have a hand in. But before we really divulge too much into that, I want to go back just a little bit. And I want to know the origin story. What exactly got you interested in art and animation in the first place? Uh, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't really one thing. It was like kind of just like a bunch of things that just sort of all built up onto each other and just kind of kept, kept coming. Like, uh, okay. Like, I mean, you know, like, obviously I watched cartoons all the time as a kid. I mean, you know, who, di- who didn't? Like, you know, uh, like earliest memory I, I can like think of is like, like when I was like, I don't know, two or three, like uh, just uh, chill out, like uh, uh, watching like Looney Tunes in my parents' basement with my older brother. Like, and we would watch those, like, all the time. Like, we would watch Looney Tunes, we would watch, like, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon all the time. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know, that's, like, those are, like, some of my earliest, like, fond memories. Uh, I I remember, I think, like, the first thing that kind of, I think, got me interested in, like, the production of animation was probably SpongeBob. Like, I, 
like obviously you know uh, like many people i watched spongebob all the time as a kid it was one of my favorite cartoons and uh uh, I remember, like, uh, I got the DVD of the Spongebob movie when that came out, and that was, like, my favorite movie ever as a kid, and I would, like, I, I would, like, just watch every single piece of content that DVD had. And there, was a lot of, <laughs> there was, like, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that showed, like, you know, the animatics and storyboards, and that was, like, the first time I ever found out, oh, okay, so this is kind of, like, how cartoons are made. Right. And, uh, yeah, and it, it was, like, all these, like, rough storyboards of, like, you know, the scenes I knew. There was, like, some deleted scenes, and... That just really kind of, like, fascinated me. And, like, a, a little while later, my parents got me, like, this this book called, like, Spongebob Exposed. It's, like, it's like this pretty typical, like, you know, uh, like, you know, $5 book you'd get, like, for a kid that just has, like, you know, random trivia about the show. But uh, one segment, one part of the book that, like, really stuck out to me was where they, they showed the entire process of making an episode. And, oh. like, uh, like, yeah, they would show, like, you know, not just the storyboards, but also, like, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes pictures of, like, the voice actors, like, you know, the writing sessions, doing the sound effects, like, painting the backgrounds, like, and, like, basically every step of the whole thing. And that was the first time I ever saw, like, just step-by-step how a cartoon was made. And that was just incredible to me because it was like, you know, it's like, yo, this is how they make my favorite show. This is so cool. And... That, I, I envy you because that sounds like something I would just love to, like, tear my teeth into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so that was kind of like the uh, you know the first time I ever had a huge interest in it. And then like the other one of the other big things that kind of got me into making animation was Newgrounds. Oh, there you we know. go. Yeah. So yeah, Newgrounds that uh, you know obviously corrupted my soul like it did many children <laughs> of the two thousands. But uh, you know I was I was legitimately like really amazed just like you know how like how these people how like people were basically making full cartoons by themselves and like you know obviously. A lot of them look like really crappy, but you know, you, it, it's still just amazing. Uh, you can't like deny that the effort that's still put into it. And some of them looked genuinely amazing. Like I remember one of my favorites as a kid was a uh, Blockhead because I was like, oh, there you go. this looks like something that could be on TV, and this is just one guy doing it. This is nuts." And like I realized, like, oh wait, this is a program that you can actually get Adobe Flash. It's six hundred dollars. Okay, <laughs> and uh, so. For a long time, I just kind of like, you know, uh, I just sort of was an observer, but found that stuff really amazing until I finally, uh, uh, until I finally got a pirated copy of Flash when I was 14. And nice. Yeah, that, the, that's when I was finally like, okay, I'm doing this. And I just, uh, like, I, I just made like, you know, dumb little animations of like people, uh, bouncing. And then I just kind of, that was like one of the first times I got into something and I didn't immediately stop. So I just kept doing it. I mean, you. I can tell you haven't stopped because you're still having a strong hand with it. I just want to go back just a little bit with that, uh, like the SpongeBob and the inspiration from that, especially that DVD. I know exactly what you're talking about because I got that DVD too. And oh my god, the details that they included, like especially the special features, like that was. I can see why that was like basically a cultural gold mine. But then like having that expand with the exposed, and then obviously you know, uh, Newgrounds, and then with the uh, you know, finally getting flash i mean i can only imagine just how fulfilling it must be at us after a certain point <laughs> yeah for sure i mean like uh, it's not like i never made animations before that i tried i did like uh i did like these really crappy animations using like windows movie maker where i would just like copy and paste like you know sonic sprites that i would find online yeah like you know the, the, there's a ton there's a ton of new ground stuff like that mine were like really terrible uh, but <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, that, that was kind of, like, my first taste of it, and I did think it was fun, but it was just too much of a pain in the ass to do. 
I mean, fair enough. When did it for you go from just like this general love that you have to a passion that potentially making it your career? Was it whenever you finally had access to Flash? Kind of, yeah. Like, uh, like Flash was, that was like the first time I just had this like program that was like, this is a program where you can make cartoons. It's not like, you know, this program that's made for something else and I just kind of try to make it work. Like, no, this is like a cartoon program. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. And just kind of like seeing like how much I could actually do with it. I just kind of, I just sort of didn't want to stop. I kept doing like all these little animation practices until like a couple months after practicing, I made my first ever like just full like three minute cartoon, which was like this really awful Mega Man parody. But, <laughs> you know, and like, and that was that for me, like, even though that took like, like eight months to make, I was like, holy shit, I made a cartoon. Yeah. I made like, full, I made a full thing. I had voice acting. I had like music sound effects, like all that stuff. It's a terrible cartoon, but I, I made it. And that was like, you know, that was like the sign for me. I'm like, I can actually do this. So I, I just kept doing it. I was like, that, that was like the basically proving to myself that it was possible. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure a lot of creators have gone back to like their first like completed project and they may think, wow, this is horrible, but also be like, wow, I did this. I could do this. I could do more with it. Like again, it, opening up just like an entire path that you probably didn't even really consider until you actually did it. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, I don't know, it was just, it was just like the, one of these things where it's like, nah, I could, uh, like, it, it just feels like too intimidating until you just sort of do it and don't think about it. I mean, absolutely. That's that's something I tried to establish with this podcast. I can tell you right now, if I go back to the first episode, the pilot episode that I had, it was an absolute train wreck. <laughs> like, yeah. absolutely. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, no, I was just going to say, like, uh, but, you know, finding, like, the first thing you do terrible, in my opinion, is kind of a good thing, because that ultimately means, you know, you're better now. You know, yeah. you, you know way more, so the fact that you see this, like, thing, you, this old thing you made is bad, is like, yeah, that just means, you know, your standards are higher, your skills are better, like, you can make better things. Exactly, and just like you, like, whenever I made that first podcast, just getting it out there and just letting, you know, knowing that I could potentially, like, do that on a consistent basis was something that I wanted to, like, dive head first into and so yeah i can i can only imagine how you were in that kind of situation and i mean obviously you certainly went down that path and then some going to college to you know study in animation stuff and creating some incredible short films in uh in college and such how would you describe kind of the experience that you had as you continued down this path into college and such like was it what you were kind of hoping for or did it like open your eyes to how much more you could do or how intimidating it could be so like sort of in between like you know when i made my first cartoon and like when i went to college i made a couple other cartoons like almost all of them were like you know parody videos just because you know i was you know i, I was i was like a big fan of parody cartoons at the time like i was a big fan of like ego raptor like you know uh there we uh, go like uh uh harry partridge or just like like these people who like did a lot of parody stuff I'm like oh i want to do that like the like parodies are funny and uh and yeah, I uh, I hate all those videos now. But you know, in doing those, like it kind of just like yeah, I was starting to get more used to like you know making cartoons on a semi regular basis. And then so uh, so, and like when I went to college, so the, the college I went to, it's uh, called OCAD. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not exactly an animation centered college. They're more just a general art college, but they had like you know animation as like a side thing. Okay. And. Uh, you know, the fact that I already made, like, a bunch of cartoons on my own, like, that was kind of like, oh, crap, okay, you're good, you're in. So that was, <laughs> that, that was nice. Um, in terms of animating, I actually didn't really learn a ton from, 
that from OCAD. Not that I didn't learn anything, period. Like, in terms of, like, fundamental art stuff and, you know, uh, just a, a, a sort of j different aspects of art, like art history, painting, like, you know, uh, uh, perspective, stuff like that. Like, I, I learned quite a bit, and that stuff is very important to learn, 100%. So, like, I... And, you know, there, obviously there was a ton of great people I met, like, people I still try to, uh, I still keep in touch with. But in terms of just actual animation, a lot of that kind of just, I, I had to sort of teach myself because it was very clear that the animation program in the school was very new because it was not very well structured. And uh... I, I, I really felt bad for, like, a lot of the people there who kind of, well, were just getting into animation because they, um... Uh, because of like how poorly the classes were structured it, it kind of turned them off from it completely and i can't blame them for it like yeah basically like you know it was a four-year program first year there was like an animation course that was entirely optional and it was just like you know the like animation basics which you know that's fine you know it's the first class then a uh, second year there was like the required animation course which was almost the exact same thing mm -hmm. like you know animation basics again and then third year it's like okay you got to make a film now and everyone is like wait what <laughs> <laughs> Like, what, what the fuck are we supposed to do? <laughs> Talk about, you know, just being thrown right into the fire pit, am I right? <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, uh, so, like, like a lot of people, like, were trying their absolute best. And some people still made some, like, really fun films. But, like, you know, it, it was a very hard struggle for a lot of people, and it turned a lot of people off from it. Like, it was, like, uh, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but it was easier for me just because I was, like, more familiar with it. But, you know, that was the thing. I was animation-obsessed, so... Like, yeah, obviously I was going to be okay because I didn't even really need the teaching. I mean, that's that's fair, but I mean, nevertheless, it's it's a good experience. Plus, I imagine in college, like I mentioned before, you were able to produce some incredible short films and such. Um, the ones that I mentioned before, the local freaking LMJ, what were the inspirations behind those shorts? Um, okay, so uh, local freak definitely had the much more interesting uh, uh, backstory. So. Ooh. So like the like you know we were told like okay you guys got to make a film and she was and like our teacher was like uh, it just needs to be under the uh it needs to be based off of something that that's that's like the only like rule it needs to be like you know like either like based off an art style based off an artsy like or based off of something it needs to like it needs to be it can't be like a fully original thing it needs to be like adapted from something else okay and my first like my first idea was doing a music video because uh like that was something I always wanted to try and like I. I found like this one like electro swing song I really liked, and I even got permission from the artist to uh, do the song. And I was like drawing up concept art, and I was really confident in the pitch. And then like a week before we were supposed to pitch the films, my teacher was like, "No music videos." Ah. Uh... Like... <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Shit." <laughs> and so yeah, I had like uh, I had less than a week to come up with a new idea. <laughs> and uh, so that that kind of uh, so. That was that was a very stressful time for me. So I was uh, I, I kind of like tried to go back to like you know ideas I had like before the music video. Like I did have one idea about doing a music video with monsters, like like a like a, a like a metal music video, but I just couldn't really get an idea that I liked. Right. And uh, so I just kind of like went to like watching some horror stuff I liked. I watched uh, I watched Friday the Thirteenth because that's like uh, that's one of my favorite horror mo uh, like franchises and. Uh, that led to me listening to like some Alice Cooper music because you know he did he did music for the sixth movie, mm -hmm. and uh, like one of his songs, Teenage Frankenstein, really really just like uh, kind of stuck with me for some reason. I really liked the melody and just something about that song kind of felt like a story. And the idea kind of popped in my head of like this kind of like you know uh, punk rock girl who's like you know a Frankenstein monster. 
and I was like, oh, that that sounds kind of fun. I I drew it at first, didn't like it, and I kind of like scrapped it. But then I uh, then uh, the idea just kind of wouldn't really go away, and I had this uh, I had this like sort of image in my mind of her like chilling at a pub, scaring people, and. Uh, that was just really fun, so I just kind of drew the scenario of like her chilling like with a vampire, and that that was like what well, like what what clicked with me, and I'm like, oh, all right, okay, I got something here, there and I just kind of kept, kept building about like after that. Talk about a journey, nevertheless, because good lord, like I can only imagine how much you had invested in that music video. I have to ask, I'm I have my I sometimes dip my toe in the electro swing. What song did you have in mind? Because I. I'm aware of some electro swing and I absolutely love it. So I, I'm curious what would have been like made into a music video if you had that opportunity. Um, the song it was a remix of like a, a swing song called "Swingin' Together," and like the dude who remixed it was an artist named uh, Cat in the Hat. But it, like okay. you know the ats are like you know like the at symbol. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to look uh, that. I need to look that up because that certainly does sound interesting. I always loved how unique it was. That it was basically like if jazz was made in modern day. I always loved electro swing like that. Yeah, me too. No, I I still love that music, and that song is like still like a, 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 like such a bop. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll do it someday, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, nevertheless, like you know, even then, what you were able to produce with the local freak, uh, especially after all the stuff that kind of just went down with that. I mean, it's still impressive that you were able to make something as as good as it was and as creative as it was. I can tell there's a lot of creativity with kind of the stuff that you do. Um, what is it like? You, you mentioned that like horror, especially with the uh, like Friday the Thirteenth, like your absolute favorite. What is it about it that kind of piques your interest and creatively gets you going? I mean, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I guess that was a series that always stuck with me because that was like one of the first horror movies I ever actually kind of witnessed. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was that and the Nightmare on Elm Street that were like the two big ones. Like it was uh, so, like when I was super little, you know, uh, like my brother would watch horror movies all the time in his room, and you know, obviously I wasn't supposed to watch, but like it, sometimes I would like sneak in and like you know, well see like something he was watching on his computer, and there was like two moments in particular that like really just kind of stuck with me. One, uh, uh. It was Freddy versus Jason, and it was the scene, like, where there's, like, the boyfriend chilling in bed, and then Jason pops up and starts stabbing him repeatedly, and then, like, folds him in, like, half, making, like, a human sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that That scene, like, scared the living shit out of me, and then, and then like, uh, just a few days later, I walked in on my brother watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and it was the scene where, uh... Uh, Johnny Depp's character Glenn gets like you know pulled into the bed by Freddy, and then like you know blood starts gushing out everywhere. And those two scenes like uh, made me uh, like so scared of going on my bed that I like I slept in a sleeping bag for like a month like in my room. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was just like I was too scared about being like sucked in the bed or being you know folded in half or shit like that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming every future mattress you had had like. 20 different layers to make sure that if Freddy was to come out or yeah, if Freddy was to come out, he'd have a little bit of a trek to get to you. <laughs> No, I I got over that fear, like you know, about like two months later, and like you know, I I wasn't as scared. I'm like, okay, no, that's that's just a silly movie. But the the scenes just always stuck out to me, just because of like you know the how much they you know like genuinely scared me, and for some reason those two moments just sort of never left my head, mm -hmm. and I. Like, you know, as I got older, I just kind of, I kept watching more of, uh, like, you know, more scenes from, like, both movies. I don't know. Like, and while I enjoy both, for some reason, I just gravitated more towards Jason. I don't know. I think I just, I thought the hockey mask looked cooler. I thought, I don't know, uh, just something about this dude running around killing people for no reason I thought was intimidating, but for some reason, just really fun to watch. Oh, yeah, and, uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah, I just kind of kept watching them, and I don't know. It's, the Friday movies, to me, were just 
are just really really fun of horror movies just because like to me they have like just like the right amount of like you know having like you know scary and like a gush and like gory moments but also like having this kind of tongue-in-cheek self-aware style and it was just and th that's just like a i don't know i guess a type of uh, a type of uh, humor i guess i really like just this really dark morbid humor but like the <laughs> but it's it, it just kind of works and you just sort of buy into it and don't care oh no absolutely i mean it it, it especially with like uh with some of those films like the way that they're able to extenuate both the the horror aspect but also like some of the humor at times or whatnot like it's it's a unique and golden mix if nothing else um and i know you certainly have probably taken to that within your own art style and such now for those that might uh look at your art style they might think that leads towards the horror maybe more like a tim burton-esque kind of thing but nevertheless like with the style that you kind of have with how rough but yet how clean it looks what exactly inspired you to lean towards that as your style it's it was it's kind of like i'm still figuring out my art style if i'm being honest i don't feel like okay. i've like you know i've fully you know uh gotten what i what i want to aim for but like in terms of just like you know what i have now like it's it's kind of just like a mishmash of art styles that i like like you know obviously yeah there is a little bit of tim burton in there a little bit of horror because i i love tim burton stuff like you know like you know nightmare before christmas that's another movie i used to watch all the time as a kid love that movie but uh, like, there's a little bit of that, as well as just, like, other cartoons that I grew up watching that I liked. Like, the kind of clean style, I guess, that, that comes a lot from, like, just so many, like, uh, cartoons from the 2000s. Like, you know, Powerpuff Girls or My Life as a Teenage Robot. There we Dexter's go. Lab. Like, yeah, like, a lot of these, like, you know, very, like, angular, but very, like, clean and sharp styles that just look, like, really appealing and expressive. Like, I'm... I... Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. I was just gonna say, uh, like, I, I think you certainly nailed that like the style of all of them like really down to a t i mean your icon is a good illustration of that if nothing else oh thank you um uh, yeah i guess I, I think the thing i really like about the styles from those shows i mean like a lot of them are done like by like the same kind of group of people you know like craig mccracken Genny tartakovsky paul rudish like andy suriano like those people mm -hmm. like they they really have an act for like creating like these art styles that are like you know obviously very like geometric and angular but they're still very loose and expressive and that's a really hard in between to get because you know they're kind of like the, they're sort of polar opposites in terms of styles but like they really make them work and that's just something i really really admire i mean i can tell that you admire it because it's something that you've certainly taken with you with some of the stuff that you've produced as well and some of the stuff that you've also had a hand in now one of the biggest opportunities that you had a hand in helping out with was becoming a part of basically the spindle horse team how did this opportunity even come to you in the first place um it didn't come to me i i i beg to be on it oh okay <laughs> yeah uh like uh basically what happened was like like uh I first found out about Hasbin Hotel through Twitter, just cause it was when like the cast was first announced for it, like all the voice actors. Okay. And just cause like just cause you know I followed a few of them, like I followed uh, Rice Pirate, I followed like you know Mick Lauer who voices Husk. Mm -hmm. Um, I followed uh, I followed Stamper, like I followed like a few of those people just cause you know I was I was fans of their work like through you know Sleepy Cabin and like you know their cartoons and stuff like that. So that's how I first found out about it, and like the art style just like really really like you know stood out to me, like oh wow this looks so cool, it's like so crazy and spooky and expressive i really like this so i just kind of followed the project just because i'm like oh i want to see where this goes and then like uh and then i saw that you know viv was uh, uh interested in hiring animators and i'm like oh, oh I, uh, I was i wanted to apply but i was like really really intimidated to it to like my, my girlfriend and my friends like encouraged me to do it so i did it and i got no response so i but i really 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 wanted the job so 
like a little while later viv posted like a storyboard preview it was like the scene like where they're in, in the limo and i was like mm. i'm gonna apply again but i'm gonna like animate a scene from that just to you know uh uh i guess kind of do my own animation test i did that viv got back to me she liked it and i got the job there we go yeah it's uh it's something I, I i should also stress that's something i don't recommend doing for people because like while i it worked for me legally that's probably something you shouldn't do with a uh, bigger projects because uh the, there are uh, there are cases where they straight up cannot accept fan animations as applications right but like uh, yeah so maybe don't do what i did <laughs> i just i just got lucky because this was the, the, at the time like has been was still kind of small so yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if nothing else, it's one of those, like, you took a chance for something that you felt passionate about. And it worked out for you, but that's not going to be the case for everyone. So just be careful, people. Um... <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, like, absolutely, like, you know, if you see openings to projects you want to work for, apply to them. But, you know, apply to them with a good portfolio demo reel and all that stuff. And make and make yourself very easy to contact. Absolutely. That's, that's what I recommend. Absolutely. Now, what, it's interesting that you bring up the fact that you saw the storyboard and decided to go with the animation. Because one thing that I've noticed throughout a lot of your work is you tend to lean a lot more with while you are multifaceted with all sorts of different aspects of animation you tend to lean more towards the rough animation what is it about rough animating that sort of draws you to that as a position compared to some of the other ones um i hate doing cleanup fair enough <laughs> yeah it's, uh, uh, like I, I guess okay give more an in-depth reason like okay uh like I, I like rough animating just because like that's i guess the most raw part of doing a cartoon like, that's the part where you can just kind of, like, go nuts and just, like, sort of scribble and, like, push expressions and just be, like, as loose and as crazy as you want to. And, and you know, you can still make something that sort of works. When you, when you start to, like, tie things down, like, with cleanup and, like, a, you know, doing, like, more passes and stuff like that, that's when it, at least for me, be, it starts to become more boring because you're basically doing the same thing you just did but a lot slower. Yeah, no, I can I can understand where you're coming from, but I mean, nevertheless, like even with the rough animations, you do a great job with expressions more than anything else. Like you've really like nailed that down. I can only imagine how hard it must be for you at times to get like just the right expression. Uh, well, thank you so much, first of all. But, <laughs> um, I mean, like, uh, drawing facial expressions to me is like is just really really fun. And yeah, it's. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's kind of a mix. Like it's, sometimes it's really easy. Like I know exactly what expression I want. Other times it's more tricky. It's like it's a kind of like mix of like both, just like make, getting the kind of emotion I want out of the character, but also like making sure it's on model. It look it, it still it doesn't deviate too much from the storyboards because you know obviously I don't want to completely change it. And uh, just yeah, kind of like all those factors combined. I try. I've been trying to at least. Uh, like, a big, a big fear I have is going off-model and, like, making it not look like the character anymore. And that's something that I think I personally need to stop worrying about. Because, like, you by worrying about that so much, I end up not pushing things as much as I could. So, it's it's something I'm trying to work on where I just, I just focus on, like, the expression first, the pose first. Like, do all that. Like, make it as raw and loose as possible. And then after that, I'll, like, tie it down and make it look more like how the character's supposed to. Right, absolutely. And like I said before, I think you do a great job, like, really nailing it in one aspect for another. Uh, it, you've been a part of basically Spin the Horse since has been. How has the experience been this entire time working with Viv and such? Um, it's It's been interesting. It's definitely, like, changed over time. Uh, okay. Like, uh, like, working on has been was... Uh... Uh, oh, it was really fun just because, of it. like, you know, at the time it was this very, like, small, uh, it, like, you know, it, it had, it had, uh, like, a t an audience, but it wasn't, like, you know, as big as it is now. Right. And, uh, 
and that's that's what sort of made it more fun it was like this uh, just this kind of like fun little like you know indie project that was uh, that like everyone kind of working on it was just sort of uh, doing their own thing and having fun with it on it was like uh and like you know uh so working on the the husband pilot at least for me was a lot of fun um well when it like actually came out that's a bit of, like at least for me when things started to get really really stressful just because like you know uh, i don't think like anyone really expected it to like get as much attention as it did and that like you know uh and uh, that at least made made like my like anxieties and insecurities go up like so hot so hard. Right. I'm like, oh crap! Did I even really do a good job? Like, so many people are looking at this, and I was like, I, I never thought about this. Like, ah, and, and uh, so yeah, there was a there was a there was like a little bit of a break uh, like in between like uh, uh when I worked on Hasman and when I worked on Helva because I didn't work on the Helva boss pilot. I, mm -hmm. I I didn't join the project until like the first episode, and. Uh, that kind of in-between time, at least for me, I'm kind of grateful I had that because it sort of gave me some time to, like, uh, chill out and just kind of not worry about that stuff too much. It also... And yeah, and then when I worked on Helva, like... Uh, working on Helva has definitely been the project where I'm trying to, like, teach myself to uh, maybe not take things as, like, uh, personally and not, like, as, uh, you know, close to my heart. Like, obviously, you know, I still, I still like the... Uh, I still love the project and I love working on it, but, you know... Because I was like, you know, uh, I kind of took it so personally, like with the reception has been got that it, it got to me so much. I'm trying to treat Helva more like, okay, this is, you know, a job. This is, you know, uh, I spend, you know, a certain amount of hours working on it every day. I do my part, hand it in, and then I, I go do my own thing. Okay. No, that's, so, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. Maybe that's like a, a more cynical, uh, I've gained a more cynical view because of that or something like that. But I, I like I, I try not to get it, let it get in the way of the fact that I do still enjoy the project. It's just you know I, I gotta just for my own mental sake maybe not be as like attached to it. Right. No, I I can totally understand where you're coming from on that one because it's one of those like as much as you love the project, you don't want to kill yourself over the project with how much you feel personally attached to it. Yeah, that's. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I I have to ask though, like with all the the shots you've had a hand in and all the stuff that you've animated, do you have a moment that you were personally like proudest of? Like you can look at that little bit that you animated. It's like, yeah, this is like the best thing I did with Spindle Horse and such. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fucking uh, a hell of a episode four, the shot where the guy goes money. <laughs> forgot that was you oh my god i have to thank you <laughs> yeah like i mean like obviously that's not the best animated shot i've done like absolutely not but it's it, i think it's the funniest one and it's the one that like sticks out the most oh yeah and i cannot tell you the endless amount of memes alone that have come out of just your yeah, money <laughs> yeah like i'm so glad like I, like you know obviously i i i tried to make it look stupid i'm like oh i hope people like it and i'm you know i'm very glad people did <laughs> So, I, I guess yeah, that that definitely for me is is kind of like the one I'm most proud of. I'm like, holy yeah, I'm so glad people got the joke. <laughs> and I'm so glad you took the time to do that. If I see say so myself. Now, yeah, obviously with working with Spindle Horse, that's you know as an animator, that's not the only thing you've worked on. I can only imagine it may have led you know opened the doors to some other possibilities. But you certainly worked on some other outstanding projects as well, working with the likes of Mayhem, uh, Ollie and Scoops. I assume currently working on Far Fetched as well. How have these other experiences just kind of been for you, and has it been more or less like a fulfilling art journey so far, being to work on all these different amazing online internet sensations, if I say so myself? 
Yeah, I mean, like, like, yeah, for, like, I, I am really glad I've been able to work on other projects because, like, you know, while while I do like enjoy working for Spindlehorse, it is nice to like work on things that do visually look different, just for the sake of you know, uh, not like uh, sticking to one thing. Um, working on different projects, especially while like kind of balancing at the same time, has also uh, it's also been a really good like teaching lesson for me personally on just knowing my own limits. Right. You know, like you know, just knowing like how much work can I really take on? You know, what's possible for me to do? Like, what is or isn't too much? Stuff like that. So, like, for all that, I, I am genuinely very thankful I got to be on those projects. And, you know, aside from just, you know, they, they, a lot of them were fun to work on. Like, like Ollie and Scoops was a... Uh, that that project was both, like, very fun and very hard to work on. I can only just, imagine. Yeah, just because, like, yeah, the deadlines for that one were very, very tight. And I was, like, also doing animation and cleanup at the same time. But mm. that was definitely a lot. But it was fun to work on. Like, I would say... Out of all the pro projects I work on, that that was the one where the characters were the easiest to animate. Okay. Yeah, just like like the the way the characters were designed with just like uh, it was so easy to just like immediately get the art style down and just like uh, go loose with them and have like a lot of fun with the expressions. Oh yeah, I can only imagine, especially with how especially with how expressive those characters can be as well. Um, I can also imagine with some of the other stuff you've had hand in how much it has also like creatively challenged you as well. Cause like for example, I was talking about uh, mayhem. Some of the character designs in that one alone are certainly unique to say the least. Okay. Look, I, uh, uh, uh I, I enjoyed working on mayhem and Matt magpie is a wonderful person, but that was, that was the hardest project I've ever worked on. Oh, wow. The character designs were just so busy and there was so much things on them that it was just such a pain in the ass to animate. Like, Honestly, yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't regret it for the record. I still, I, I really like the Mayhem short that I worked on. And, you know, it was, it, it was definitely a fun challenge, but oh my God, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, again, I see some of the different character designs that they've had for that, both with that short and what they've done since with the comics and such like that. I totally understand where you're coming from, but I can also understand when you say you must be, at least feel proud that you're able to do it nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like I mentioned before, you're currently working. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You are currently working on Farfetch, which last time I checked should be at least having something soon. I don't know exactly when, but should have something out soon. Um, how incredible has it been to be helping out with this project, especially considering some of the traction it has been getting with the past couple of months or so? Farfetch, at least for me, that's been like the most chill project to work on. Like okay. a, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the environment, just because like you know. Uh, out of all the projects I've worked on, Dave and Ashley are like you know the they're the ones I've kind of I know the most personally, like you know the they're, they're really good friends of mine. A, a lot of people on the on the show like who work on it are, are kind of like all just friends with each other. So it's uh it's definitely it's a very like laid back environment where everyone's just kind of chilling and doing their thing, which which has been really nice honestly. So that that's been making the project like really fun to work on. Oh, I can only imagine. I, I've had I've actually had Dave on the podcast as well to talk about that, and I I can tell that just kind of how he is personally like i can only imagine the environment must be like one of the better ones out there if i do say mm -hmm. so myself <laughs> no, dave, no dave's a sweetheart I, like yeah. ashley's wonderful too like everyone like i've I've, uh, I've worked with on farfest has been a wonderful person but yeah, so so have the like you know people on the other projects i've worked on i'm not trying oh, yeah. to you know, say they sucked but <laughs> oh no absolutely this this podcast is not to tear down anyone we're just saying that different studios or different productions have all sorts of different environments, but still rewarding experience at the end of the day. It, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It must be rewarding for you to kind of see the end product for you, no matter what aspect of the animation you've had a hand in. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, the, when, like, the thing is finished, it's, like, legitimately the best feeling ever, because it's like, oh, holy crap, the, this whole cartoon is made, and I, uh, I had, did, I was, you know, kind of, like, 2% of it, so that's, that's really cool, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, something, 2% really does make a lot of difference, just look at milk. I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, yeah, no, no, it's, it, it's, like, the, at least for me, like, Finishing is kind of the most, uh, like, the best part of working on a project because it's like, holy crap, you made the thing, and that's that just feels really, really good. I, again, I can only imagine. Now, I have to ask, with all these different projects that you've kind of had a hand in, what has been the biggest lesson for you on this journey that you've had so far? Because, again, you've talked about, you know, how things have been – you had to learn to not make things personal and learning to do different aspects of it. What has been, like, the biggest lesson throughout all of it so far? Um, uh, it's kind of similar to what I said before. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is, you know, obviously work hard and do your best, but also, you know, also make sure not to kill yourself and, you know, don't feel bad for, you know, doing, uh, for setting your own limits and doing self-care. There is, uh, like, I, I definitely had this feeling when I first joined Hasbun. I feel like a lot of young artists have this feeling where they kind of need to work, like, extra hard on, like, uh, on, like, their first project because they need to prove themselves that, you know, that, that, you know, they were worth hiring. And I completely understand that because, you know, you obviously, you want to make it clear that, you know, you, uh, you take this job seriously, mm -hmm. which is uh, 100% understandable. But if you burn yourself out, you're going to ultimately end up doing worse work because you're exhausted. So... Yeah, it's it's a matter of like basically finding that balance. Like obviously, you know, do work hard and do like you know, do the best you can, but not to the point where you're killing yourself or to the point where you know you're disregarding your own life. You know, Cause, like yeah, because it's you know, it's it's your job. It's yeah, but it's also just that a job. You know, you got your own life. You got you know people you should hang out with, things you should do outside of work. And the more you do that, the healthier your life is going to be, and the better you're going to be at your job. Absolutely, absolutely. Because one of those, like, if nothing else, if you work yourself to the point to where your job just doesn't seem fun anymore, what's the point at that point? You know, like, you, you yeah, gotta, you gotta find the pleasure in it, but you can't like force yourself to love it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. That was definitely like a really tricky thing when I first worked on Helleva. Like what when I worked on Hasbin, like there were deadlines, but because you know it was an indie project, and you know. Uh, uh, and it was kind of like, you know, Viv's first, like, real, you know, big thing. But everyone was kind of working at their own pace. Right. And, you know, I, I was definitely trying to, like, well, you know, get as much done uh, as fast as I could. And because of that, I kind of got the idea, like, oh, I'm a fast animator. I can take on anything. And so when I got on Helleva, which actually has, you know, deadlines and, you know, certain, uh, you know, times we got to meet, I was like, oh, yeah, just give me, a, give me like, a crap ton of work. I can do it. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, wait, uh, oh yeah, that's right. I have a month to do this. I can't do this much shit. And like, you know, I, I would just be like breaking my back constantly. And like lately, like with each episode, I'm like understanding more and more what are my own limits and like what, okay, this is how much I can actually do in this amount of time with my schedule and making sure that, you know, I have enough time to like live life. Right. Right. And it's yeah. it's it's a it's a good balance that while at times could be hard to achieve, anyone can really achieve it if they just take the time to step back and breathe for a moment more than anything else. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, like, you've had a good couple moments to step back and breathe because not only have you helped out with this, you've also done a few personal animations as well. One of the biggest ones that I noticed I absolutely loved was being a part of the, what was it, the Collide uh, reanimation project or what, whatever it was called or the rematch. I forget exactly what it was called off the top of my head. But basically the one where you animated Shaq. That was absolutely fun to see. Oh, the Ultimate Showdown. Ultimate Showdown. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in a few reanimate projects. Like, I was, like... Like th those are always really fun, just because you know it's it's, it's just it's just kind of cool to like take some to take like a piece of animation and kind of reinterpret it in your own style. And I I, I really love seeing like when those things come together, just because it's so cool seeing like all the variation and just like every artist put their own spin on on it. Like oh, that's so much fun. I love seeing that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I ha I had one artist on here. Their name is uh, Roya Shahidi. Uh, they were the people, they were the person behind the, or one of the people behind the Kirby reanimated project that happened a few years back or whatnot. So yeah, I know what you mean by just seeing all the different, like reanimated, like the, the different segments, the different styles and how they either mesh or like how contrasting it is, but yet still get that same image at the end of the day of just how amazing the original project is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, like, with the Kirby reanimate in particular, I think it was absolutely brilliant that Roya choice, chose to do the episode that was, like, all about making a cartoon. Just yeah. Like, like, that really complimented the whole style. And I, I do feel really bad. I do feel really bad. Like, I, I've only talked to Roya, like, a very, very little bit, but they've always been very friendly. I was supposed to be on the Kirby reanimate, but I had to drop out because oh. I was busy. And I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel bad for doing that, but I I don't think they lost anything by not having me. The, the clap came out amazing. Oh, yeah. No, it, it still did. I mean, I it still, uh, knowing how your style is and your animation is, I can only imagine what you have been able to bring with the, the characters of Kirby that are there. So, but I yeah, mean... Uh, uh, honestly, like, like the, the shot I was supposed to do, I like the final version way, way more like, <laughs> than, than what I was going to do. Because, <laughs> like, mine was probably going to be very rushed just because I didn't have much time. You know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, nevertheless, like it's one of those, all these reanimation projects. Honestly, if I could be able to, I'd love to like make a reanimation project of my own. I just need to know what to do and if I can fund it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, like with reanimation projects, like, and like they're not usually paid things. It's just kind of like everyone's, uh, everyone involved is kind of doing it for fun, but you know, that because it's for fun, you got to also like, you know, just rely on the fact that maybe not everyone's going to like finish their thing super quick. Right. You know, everyone's Everyone's got, like, stuff going on in their lives. Right, right. I like, mean, I, I've always been one to, you know... If nothing else, like, especially with this podcast or whatnot, I've always been one to to champion artists and their style in one aspect for another. That's why I, I love reanimation projects, because it showcases so many in a short amount of time. Yeah, like, I mean, going back to the Ultimate Showdown one, that was one I was, like... I was, like, so sure I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to do it. I was so close to calling it quits, but I kind of didn't just because I, like, I wanted to be in it so badly because, like, yeah. Ultimate Showdown was, like, one of my favorite, like, Flash cartoons as a kid. I'm like, I'm, I want to do it. I want to animate Shaq so badly. <laughs> I, I do. I appreciate you adding the, the Hot Ones meme face to Shaq as well. That is wonderful as well. Oh, I, I had to. <laughs> It was, I, yeah. was, it, was that somewhere in the contract when you signed on to be a part of the project? <laughs> no, 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 that was me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, like, like the, like the only, the only, like, uh, I guess kind of thing with the ultimate show on reanimate was, uh, uh, Blabs and Beverly, like the organizers, they did have a thing that was like, yeah, just for the sake of consistency, make sure the characters have the same outfits, like in each shot. So like, you know, Shaq's got like the yellow Lakers jersey, mm -hmm. Chuck Norris has like the red cowboy sweater, like, you know, uh, 
stuff like that. But but that aside, we could do whatever the hell we wanted. Yeah, no, that, that, that's honestly fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, with all these different hands that you've had with animation and such, and some of the personal ones you've done, I imagine that, you know, behind all of this, there's still a, uh, how should I word this? There's still kind of a love and desire to make something of your own. Is there a concept that you might eventually love to bring to the world as a whole to, to make a reality, maybe expanding on a previous project or something? Um, I, I really, really do want to start making my own stuff again. It's just, it's been really hard. It's just because I'm... I'm not really good at balancing multiple projects and like doing uh doing like you know obviously like it'll work and then doing and then having enough energy from like my own projects is really really difficult for me. Right. Yeah, like it's. I don't know. That's that's the balance I'm still trying to figure out. Just because yeah, I've I've admittedly for the past little while felt a little bit burnt out when it came to personal work just because I've dedicated so much time to like you know uh, like uh, uh my my jobs. Right. Yeah, and like that, like yeah, going back to what I said earlier, that's something I'm trying to like, you know, get a better balance of for myself. Just you know, still you know, obviously you know, uh, you know, put job on priority because you know, you know, you you got to make money, you got to pay bills, do all that stuff, but have enough energy for myself. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what I want to do next. Like wh one thing I did have in the pipeline that I'm not really sure if I'm going to go back to. I did, uh, I did. Uh, at one point, have like a, a couple follow-up uh, shorts to local freak in the works. I, I had two mm. that I was one that that was like really like a like a one-minute short, and one that would have been like a full seven-minute cartoon. And I, I wrote the scripts for those, and I even got like the voice actors to come back to like uh, record dialogue for it. They did an amazing job, but it's one of those things that I I kind of lost steam on just because I was so busy with work. And when I kind of came back to it, I started to just really not feel it and uh, la like. It just uh, wasn't really something I wanted to make anymore, so I'm, I'm kind of putting those projects, I guess, on hold for a while. I, I want to do something with those characters again, because I really do like Kathy and Bailey, but it just it needs to be something that, like, I, I'm going to, you know, have, if I'm, uh, that I, I have an idea for, and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do this, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, with that, how about we delve a little bit into more or less the dream scenario, if I may. Let's say I'm Big Shot Mr. Moneybags, I come to you and I'm like, look, man. The stuff that you're absolutely producing, we cannot get enough of it. We know you have a lot of creative stuff, you know, in the background or whatnot. So we want to help bring it to life. We have access to everyone and anyone. More money than it should be possible. Jesus Christ, the IRS is on my tail, but I'm not worried about it. And you know what? We'll give you unlimited time as well. We found some way to manipulate time so we can let you work on whatever you want to work on. So if given the opportunity, what would be the dream project? So just like, the like you know, fully like, you know whatever you want that's exactly uh, like i'm probably gonna change my mind in the future just because you, you, my taste has always changed but like one thing I've, I've always really wanted to do or at least see is make a animated horror anthology show basically something Ooh. along the lines of like love death and robots but horror themed that would be interesting yeah like like that, that would that would be like the big thing i want just like basically brit like, you know, hire as many, like, you know, talented horror artists I, I can and just be like, yo, make your own short, do whatever, and do whatever you want. And just I, put, that, put that all together as, like, a show. I could recommend an artist your way. As a matter of fact, she's the one that kind of introduced us in the first place, Tipsy. If you pay attention to some of the stuff that she's producing, she's got a perfect short that would work wonderfully in that anthology series. Yeah, that, like, yeah, no, Jelly, uh, Jelly is, like, a huge horror nut, so I'm sure she could do something <laughs> cool. And, like... There's a couple like uh, horror artists off the top of my head who I feel like could do really great stuff. Uh, David Romero, he's this yes. really like uh, like awesome like crazy horror artist who has done some animated work, and they're 
so damn cool. Like, I don't know. He does excellent stuff. Uh, uh, I don't know, obviously, uh, 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 David Firth, that's like, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, he's a big one. Salad Fingers and a bunch of other shorts. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Uh, Lee Hardcastle, he's like a stop-motion animator. He's done amazing work. I, so, yeah, I, that, that, that would, at least right now, that would be kind of a, a dream project for me to just basically get a bunch of horror artists I like and give them, like, the money to do what they want as, like, just, uh, just make some crazy horror short. I mean... That... Again, especially if you're, you know, knowing how incredible some of the horror artists are, are out there and whatnot, like, I can only imagine it could be nothing short of just absolutely amazing and, like, horrifying, if I do say so myself. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's it's something, I guess, I, I really want to see happen just because I feel like horror is a very untapped medium in animation. Like it's like 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 there have there have been like attempts to do it, of course. Like you know, like the like the artists have mentioned, and there's uh you know there's movies like Coraline, which do have a lot of like you know dark horror like elements in in them. The there's also been like some short films like The Cat with Hands and like yeah. stuff like that. Like it does exist, but it's not as uh widely known as stuff like uh as you know like Disney work or even like you know sci-fi work or like other genres uh, like action comedy all that stuff exactly i mean nevertheless just giving people an opportunity to showcase what they can do i mean that's something i will always be a huge fan of so i think it'll be money well spent um <laughs> but sadly we have to come down from the dream scenario we gotta get back to reality sadly and i'll ask the ever so generic question where do you hope to see yourself say five to ten years from now uh i don't know dude it's uh... <laughs> I mean, like, I guess the most, like, ideal, like, you know, a perfect dream scenario would be uh, uh, being in a scenario where I can completely make a living off of doing my own work. Because, like, I, I really do love, like, the jobs that I have worked on, and I'm very, very grateful to have been given the opportunity to work on them. It's, they're projects I legit really love, and I, I, I love getting to, like, you know, help make them come to life. That's, that, that's a fantastic feeling for me, but I do want to do my own stuff, too. And it's... And that's uh, that's something I, I definitely want to try and push more towards. Am I going to be able to achieve that in five years? I don't know. I <laughs> uh, we'll just uh, have to wait and see. But that's that's definitely something I want to strive for. I mean, you know, weirder things have happened. I mean, you know, you talked about how much you loved like Hasman Hotel. That was a thing that Viv had been developing for years before she actually got the opportunity to showcase to a lot of people. So, if she could do that in a good couple of years, who knows what you could do in five to ten years? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's hoping. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe in five, here's maybe, in five, well, maybe in five years, I don't know, I'll, uh, I'll work at Starbucks or some shit. We'll see. I, I mean, I hope not. I hope you at least still get the opportunity to work on you know the amazing animation you've been doing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows? What if it turns out I actually really like working at Starbucks and I never knew? Then yeah. you know what? That's your passion. Who am I to question it? Um, <laughs> but... Uh, as we start to wind down this interview, I just have one last question I want to ask you. Um, obviously, you know, from a very young age, you've been deeply entrenched when it comes to art in many different aspects. How important is art not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that, it's, it's weird because, like, to this day, I still don't quite 100% know why I like doing this stuff so much. It's just like... It's just kind of one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, this is fun, you know? But I guess, it, I don't know, if I, if I like, had to pick, a, like, a reason, like, you know, why I find it important and why I think it should be important is that, you know, I, 
I think, if I had to say, I think it ultimately, it's ultimately, I think, like, one of the most pure expressions of humanity, because it, it, it very much represents individuality. And, yeah, so, like, that, that's, that's, I think, like, one of the most important things about art. Like, there is, like, I don't know. Because ultimately, no matter how hard we all try to relate to one another, every single person is different, and every single person will not think li like one another. And that's something that I don't think should be feared. It's not something that I think should be, you know, uh, uh, looked down upon. Like, obviously, you know, there's going to be disagreements over, you know, moral issues or political issues or stuff like that, and maybe those are, like, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should, I don't know. <laughs> I won't get into that stuff, but... In terms of just like you know uh, uh, how you are as a person, uh, art art kind of I think really shows just how that's like a way for a person to communicate how they see the world and how they think to someone else to uh, someone who may not quite get it. And I don't know. I believe that that gives art a lot of true value because it ultimately helps us sort of understand people better. Well, there you go. I can't think of a better way to word it. Right, my. Uh... Wow, words are wonderful. I stumbled that. I cannot think of a better way to word it myself. Apparently, I can't find a way to word anything these days. Um, <laughs> Dude, I, I I just kind of made that up on the fly. I don't even I don't even know if that made sense. <laughs> I think it made sense if it if it helps you out. So thank you for your input on that. Um, yeah, problem. That was the last question I have. Um, I've already showered you with a bunch of praise, but I'm gonna shower you with more because it's my podcast. Yeah, I do what yeah, I want. <laughs> Um, I'm, the, I'm the greatest. Look at look at my orange skull. I'm cool. <laughs> That's a good start. I was gonna say, um, I have been following yourself for a good bit. I know when it came to a lot of the uh, spindle horse tunes and stuff, I followed a lot of the artists and seeing what they were able to add to the input, especially some of the stuff that you've been able to help out with with the rough animations, really being one of the the good cornerstones of a spindle horse tune. Um, it's been incredible to see kind of what you've been able to have a hand in, whether it be with that or some of these other projects that you've had a hand in. And now that I've actually had a chance to sit down and hear your story and stuff, it makes me both love and appreciate what you've been doing so much more. Um, I cannot get enough of your art style. I cannot get enough of the output that you've been able to do since you started on this journey. And I really do appreciate the fact that you've been able to keep going along this path that started from a very young age with, you know, SpongeBob and such, you know, it's, it's incredible to see what you've been doing. And I sincerely hope for the best with whatever you're going to be doing from here on forth. And I really do hope you get the opportunity to showcase some of your own personal stuff as well, because with what little taste that we've had here and there with, you know, the stuff I mentioned before, if we can get just more of that, if we can just get more of what you're good at, I I see that as an absolute win. Well, thank you very much. And uh, uh, I'll also say I wish you the, you the best of luck with this podcast and any uh, any other stuff you decide to create. Because, you, know, you know, I believe, you know, ultimately everyone should des uh, deserves to, you know, have fun and live life doing what they love. And I, uh, I really hope that you can, you know, keep making that a thing. Well, I, I appreciate that. And also, like I said before, I appreciate you. Keep up the incredible work. I will, I'll try. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I mean, don't don't wear yourself down too much. Trust me. Like, I understand. We don't – Yeah, again, I don't want you to be completely burnt out into nothing but a pile of ashes just by working on animation. But, like, with what you've been doing, like, especially at whatever pace you do find comfortable with, just keep it up because you seriously got some incredible stuff. Again, I, I will try. <laughs> I completely understand. Now, for those who may not already know for one reason or another, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. 
Yes, hello. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, you guys have heard me uh, talk about myself for an hour and a half, so I'm gonna do a little <laughs> more. Uh, like, yeah, so I'm Rx Sevchenko. I animate things. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called The Reggie Man. That's that's where, you know, I'll, uh, I will upload any personal work. So check that out if you are interested. There is uh, my Twitter, you know, handle is the same thing, at The Reggie Man. My Instagram, uh, same thing. Like, that's, the, that's the, like, the Twitter and Instagram is, like, where I just post, like, art or drawings or, like, my work on other projects, like, like Hell of a Boss or Farfetch'd or, like, you know, anything else I may work on in the future. Stuff like that, so... You know, ch check all that out if you are curious. Uh, I would, uh, but you know, that aside, uh, just have a good day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. If you guys are already, please go follow R Reg. Seriously, this is the stuff that he's producing is absolutely outstanding. Um, do you have any final words before we sign off? Uh, I don't know. I guess just to everyone watching, just uh, try to have fun in life. <laughs> like you know, like you know, uh. Uh, do what you love, but also just, you know, take the time to chill out with friends. There you go. There we yeah. go. That's that's a good thing to end on. With that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.